Hello, my name is Wang Yan, and I am a reporter with News China. With our weekly News China podcast, we aim to give insight into the trends and happenings in modern China through a historical lens. Today, we discuss the changing capitals and canal courses in Asian China. The Labor Day holiday from May 1st to 5th this year saw a strong rebound in China's domestic tourism. Around 230 million visits were made, more than the number of visits in the same period of 2019 before the pandemic, according to the Ministry of Culture and Tourism of China. The tastes of Chinese tourists are changing. On Fliji, a tourism platform operated by Alibaba, Bookings for tourism products and services to archaeological sites and museums increased by 15 times compared with the same period of 2020. According to a report by online tourism platform Trip.com Group and the Xinhua News Agency, six out of the top ten most attractive tourist sites during the five-day holiday were historic sites. Three are in Beijing, the Great Wall, the Summer Palace, and Yuan Mingyuan, or Old Summer Palace. The other three are the Longmen Grottoes in the ancient city of Luoyang in central China, the Ming Dynasty city wall in Xi'an in China's northwest, and the Hongbo Administrator's Garden, or Zhuozhengyuan in Suzhou, Jiangsu province in China's east. Besides tourist attractions, Beijing, Luoyang, and Xi'an have something in common. They are all famous for their long history as dynastic capitals. Beijing's Summer Palace and the Yuan Mingyuan were royal resorts of China's last dynasty, the Qing. Buddhist stone statues at the Longmen Grottoes were carved under the patronage of members of the imperial family over 400 years starting at the end of the 5th century. Beijing and Xi'an were in the top 10 most visited cities during the May Day holiday. If we add up the length of time Chinese cities served as a capital to different dynasties, Luoyang comes out top, followed by Xi'an and Beijing. There are other famous Asian capitals with a shorter history, including Hangzhou in Zhejiang, Nanjing in Jiangsu, and Kaifeng in Henan. But today, Beijing is still the capital. Indeed, Luoyang and Xi'an lost their glory as capitals more than 1,000 years ago. How did Luoyang and Xi'an rise to dominate as choices for dynasty capitals? And what prompted their decline? Changes in environment especially water resources, is a major reason. For nearly 2,000 years since the mid-11th century BCE in the Western Zhou Dynasty till the early 10th century at the end of the Tang Dynasty, Xi'an and Luoyang alternated as capitals according to the fate of the dynasty they hosted. Xi'an was first. It served as the Western Zhou's capital for nearly 280 years. In 770 BCE, the year after the fall of the Western Zhou, the son of the last Western Zhou emperor, 
moved the seat of power of his new kingdom to Luoyang. As Luoyang is to the east of Xi'an, the new kingdom was called the Eastern Zhou. The Eastern Zhou lost control of its vassal states. One of them, the Qin, was based in Xianyang since the mid-4th century BCE. The Qin united China in 221 BCE and Xianyang rose to be the capital of the empire. The Qin rulers' main imperial palaces and the terracotta warriors are today administered by Xi'an. This is why today both Xi'an and Xianyang, not far to the west of present-day Xi'an, claim to be the Qin capital. The Qin created the imperial system that would last for more than 2,000 years in China. But the Qin itself was a short-lived dynasty. Just 15 years after the first Qin emperor Shi Huang was crowned, a rebellion force led by Liu Bang took Xianyang. Liu Bang's ally Xiang Yu completely destroyed the city. According to Sima Qian's historical records, the fire in the city burned for at least three months. But Xiang Yu lost the competition with Liu Bang to rule China. Liu Bang, founder of the Han Dynasty, built a new capital in part of the old Xianyang, changing the name to Chang'an, which means lasting peace and stability. The name was used for nearly 1,500 years till the late 13th century during the Yuan Dynasty. It was given different names in the following 100 years. In 1369, Ming Dynasty founder Zhu Yuanzhang changed it to Xi'an, meaning Western Peace. But there was a similar tale to the ending of the Han Dynasty as there had been during the Zhou. More than 200 years after Liu Bang set up the Han, the Han was overturned in a coup. In the year 25, Liu Xiu, who was a royal descendant but who had no power, became embroiled in a rebellion and was eventually able to seize power. He established the Eastern Han Dynasty with its capital back in Luoyang. Liu Bang's original dynasty became known the Western Han. The Eastern Han lasted nearly 200 years to the year 220. The last years of the Eastern Han saw wars between regional powers. After years of chaos and conflicts, the Jin Kingdom based in Luoyang united China again. But after the last years of the Jin in the late 4th century, China was mired in more long-term division and chaos, with the ten kingdoms vying for supremacy. Among the five in the north, two based their capital in Luoyang and two in Xi'an. In the late 6th century, the Sui dynasty finally ended the hundreds of years of chaos. It was soon followed by the Tang dynasty. Both Xi'an and Luoyang were the capitals for more than 300 years during the prosperous Sui and Tang dynasties from the late 6th century till the early 10th century. Xi'an was generally the more important political center than Luoyang. However, Wu Zetian, empress of the Tang Emperor Gao Zong, crowned herself as the only female sovereign in China's history in the late 7th century. 
In her 15 years on the throne, she preferred to live in Luoyang. Zhongyuan, literally the central plain, refers to the area along the middle and lower reaches of the Yellow River, which has long been regarded as the political and cultural center of Chinese civilization. Luoyang stood right at the center of the Zhongyuan. However, dynasties that made Luoyang their capital were often weaker and smaller than dynasties that chose Xi'an. This was the case for the Eastern Zhou and Eastern Han. Both were established by descendants of their namesake previous dynasties, the Western Zhou and the Western Han. Neither was able to recapture the power and the prosperity of their predecessors. The Jin Kingdom that ended the Three Kingdoms period itself only survived for 52 years. Its successor, Eastern Jin, moved to the south of China and built its capital in Nanjing. The sea coast to the east provided the natural boundary for early Chinese empires. The only possible way to expand was to the west. Given this, many historians believe that dynasties with Xi'an as capital were more ambitious and able to expand their governance to more places than dynasties with Luoyang as the capital. Xi'an is located slightly west of the center of the Western Han Dynasty. This facilitated the Western Han's expansion to the west. Emperor Wu of the Western Han extended his territories to the west in the 2nd century BCE to include part of China's northwest today. As a result, the Silk Road started to link China and Europe through Central and West Asia. The end of the Tang Dynasty in 907 also meant the end to either Xi'an or Luoyang serving as capital with the center of power shifting to the east, south, and north. Water supply played a big role in the decline of the two capitals. Waterways provided the main transportation in ancient times. China's two largest rivers, the Yellow River and the Yangtze River, flow from west to east. Construction of the Grand Canal, which linked Beijing in the north to Hangzhou in the south, made the north-south flow of goods and people possible. Emperor Yang of the Sui Dynasty in the 7th century ordered the rebuilding and expansion of the canals, which had been started 1,000 years earlier. The Grand Canal is the result of the mega project. It was designed to send food and troops from the south to the north. Luoyang stands beside the Luo River, a tributary of the Yellow River. Kaifeng, to the east of Luoyang, was closer to the Yellow River than Luoyang and had several rivers, giving it a much easier access to more water resources than Luoyang. The river flowing through Kaifeng, the Bian River, connected to the Great Canal. Kaifeng was capital of the Northern Song and grew to be the hub of transportation of goods and people along the Grand Canal. A famous painting by Northern Song artist Zhang Zeduan in the 12th century shows how prosperous Kaifeng was. Scenes of people loading and offloading big bags from cargo barges by the canal are an important part of the picture. It shows the canal was the capital's lifeline. 
Zhang Zetuan lived during the last years of the Northern Song. The bustling and busy ports and streets, even at a time when the dynasty was on the brink of collapse, show that the Northern Song's economy and trade are more developed than the Western Han town, which were larger and stronger than the Northern Song. No more than 30 years after Zhang Zetuan presented the picture to Emperor Huizong, the 8th Song Emperor, Kaifeng was invaded by the Jin Kingdom, who came from today's northeast China. Both Huizong and his son, Emperor Qinzong, were captured by the Jin army. Emperor Qinzong's brother, Zhao Gou, established the Southern Song Dynasty, which controlled the area south of the Yangtze River. The capital was Hangzhou, the southern terminus of the Grand Canal. Zhao Gou changed the city's name to Lin'an, which means temporary settlement and stability. He hoped to quickly recapture the Northern Song's territory, but this dream was never realized in the 152 years of the Southern Song's rule. But the south of China rose to be China's most developed area in terms of economy, politics, and culture during this period. The Southern Song was devastated in 1279 by the Mongol army, which established the Yuan Dynasty. Both the Jin and the Yuan chose Beijing as their capital. As the connection between the dry grasslands to the north and the fertile plains in the south, Beijing is strategically crucial for a big empire to control the whole country. It became capital and political center of China for most of time since the establishment of Yuan in the late 13th century. During the Yuan Dynasty, new waterways were dug to shorten the Great Canal, bypassing Luoyang and Kaifeng, which led to their further decline. Worse still, their position in China's central plain exposed them to attacks, a strategically bad position for a capital. Xi'an, which although fled, is nestled to the north of a mountain range, is in a much better strategic position to defend itself. But as China's economic engine began to move east and south, the northwestern area where Xi'an is also faded. Before the Industrial Revolution in the late 18th century, the biggest cities in the west, like Paris and London, had populations of well below a million. But Luoyang population exceeded a million 1,500 years earlier. It was too big for the natural resources at that time. The Luo and the Weishui rivers, the two main waterways that supported the life of over a million people in Luoyang and Xi'an, were just the branches of the Yellow Rivers. Water demand for irrigation, washing, and drinking is huge. This was why Luoyang and Xi'an were replaced by cities that were close to much larger rivers, including Kaifeng by the Yellow River and Hangzhou, which has several rivers and is at the southern end of the Grand Canal. Local food supply is never enough to feed megacities. Grains and aquatic products from the southeast had to be transported to the megacities by water. Xi'an in the northwestern hinterland did not have direct access to major water routes. Luoyang was no longer a good choice to be capital after it lost the advantage provided by Grand Canal. 
Wood in ancient times is like steel and cement today. When a city became a capital and grew greatly, there was not enough wood to build houses, cook, or provide heating. Xi'an was burned down at least six times in wars in ancient times. There is hardly enough wood to rebuild such a big city again and again. Protecting the environment, especially water resources, is still the key issue for China's capital today, Beijing. That is end of our podcast. Thank you to our writer Song Yimin, editor and translator Li Jia, and copy editor Kathleen Nadi. We hope you enjoyed it, and thank you for listening. See you next week.